So, a few questions here. Some questions on the topic of metta and more generally what are called divine abidings. Could you talk about a line from the subversion of divine abidings chant pervading the all encompassing world? Second question are metta phrases necessary? Or is the felt sense okay? I know the practice has benefits, heightens concentration, benefits the self and others. So, translations and words themselves are. Um, Slippery. But helpful. Mm. Generally you look at words and how they're used in in a number of ways. You look at this way, that way, this context, that context to try and get a rounded out uh, sense of what is being referred to. so, what are called here, suffusion with divine abidings, the, tra- the words, the Pali words, now let us, or basa, is to shine, um, make a shining. Karoma is to make, um, or making. Let us make a shining. Uh, it's beautiful, make a shining. <laughs> the four apamanya, measureless qualities. So Pali doesn't quite do the same things as English. You know, different result. There's no word such as no, no the in Pali or a, no capitals. So, um, and sometimes you get words that English has to use a phrase for, but Pali just uses a, a noun or a gerund. And then what's being referred to, Chetasa. This is the uh, the metta uh, sahagatena. So um, this actually means um, uh, totally conjoined with or gone together with metta chetasa and uh, um, an inclination and intentionality. So. Urge or push of the heart. And so, these when these words were coined, the um, you know, the Buddha or whoever was coining the words was looking was actually handling these these experiences with some precision. Mm-hmm. So, chitasa, you barely covered it with the English word um, intentionality or um, paritwise to suffuse <laughs> and vihara is to abide so just getting getting some of that sense of something directed suffusing permeating um, and to, to maintain that to abide with that suffusing permeating quality of heart and that's really 
quite beautiful if you just even say it, think it through carefully what is, what is meant there, get the sense of it and it gives us the sense that this uh, uh, heart quality has a suffusive permeating some like mist, you know, or light that can seep or run through things and fill things and it's actually a very uh, beautiful way of, of that's what it feels like but of course it doesn't actually say heart it says a chetasa which is an intention or like a heart quality but again because we don't really have an English word for it um, a very good one heart is not bad then this um, so if you look at the words and you can contemplate words so if you really want to get into it you can listen to a word and say it over and over and over again and the translations aren't bad if you have some Pali it helps but uh, translations are quite reasonable um, so there's some use in thinking you know, to, to pick up pick up what is being referred to Sabhavantam Lokam the all-encompassing world Loka in Pali is refers to what we say, well, he lives in his own world. So it's your own um, concerns, attitudes, topics, uh, things that come to your mind, people near and far, alive and dead. Um, anything that touches in your psychological, your mental, your emotional, your physical world. Something that, that you come up against regularly it touches you essentially that's your world whatever touches you and affects you is your, is your world something that touches and affects you repeatedly that definitely is your world and so this means um, that's what it's referring to so the world of your concerns your conditioning that's, and as you meditate you, you do get a sense of what your life's world Contains, you know, the, the, the topics, the people, the experiences, the conditions, the formative tendencies that have made made you seemingly you you arise in your in, in your world. Your world forms you. So this is a holistic sense to it. <coughs> So this is something that wraps, all encompassing, it's kind of wraps around and through us. Uh, and at any time, you know, it could be the world of the particular group of people you're associating with. Uh, that's a very obvious aspect of your world. Um, and then, Vipulena. Um, um, so, 
I think it literally means something like uncramped. It is abundant. Mahagatena made great. Apamana measureless. There's no uh, measure in it. In other words, it's not uh, accountancy meta. It's not like what do you deserve or how much is this worth or how long should I do this for? Or, So, so it's just whatever you, wherever you find a, a, some kind of boundary you try to breathe send it through that boundary mm. and so it's uh, measureless and so the arena um, without Vera <laughs> Vera means this experience of hostility, so recoiling, crinkling of the heart, pulling away. And without abhya, abhyapaja, your um, will, it's some directing your will out. So one is ill will coming in towards you, the other is ill will you're directing out. So Paritava spreads, spreading. Vihati abides in that spreadingness of this quality. So you can use, um, look into the words and take word at a time and turn it over in your mind and handle it and, you know, get, get some of the deepened and enriched the felt sense of that. Metta, the absence or the sense of non-aversion, goodwill, benevolence, a certain nourishing quality in inclination to give something of your heart. Compassion, the inclination to uh, offer or to stand with or to be with that which is stressful or suffering. Mudita, the inclination to rejoice, to celebrate, to be gladdened by good fortune and uh, equanimity, the sense of maintaining open sensitivity through the ups and downs of it all, not being phased by the downs, not getting giddy with the ups the ups and downs, maintaining uh, uh, openness and emotional sensitivity. So these are, this is a huge practice. What it doesn't say is to always to myself. It's what it generally, that's, um, well that's a way of interpreting it, just Again, just keep emphasizing any direction, whatever, all throughout, everywhere. So, yeah, myself, other people, that's all part of it. And I think it's quite a helpful um, reference because myself is often the one that is most tricky to to feel gladdened by or uh, compassionate towards or equanimous about 
we have to stand, we have to have a kind of that ability to step back uh, to find the space to touch, be touched by these perceptions and impressions that we call myself. So, you know, what self? The impressions, the memories, the activations, the syndromes, the programs that I call myself, that seem to be myself. And, you know, so to avoid, to, to recognize when you feel embarrassed, self-conscious, uh, guilty, regretful, intimidated, lesser than, those are all absence of, of metta. We feel defensive, there's an absence of metta there. We feel, um, you know, so just to look out for those signs. Because uh, these are all things that you, subtler qualities perhaps, but it's in these subtle but chronic long term uh, absences that uh, um, the fullness of the heart is not reached and accomplished uh, and enjoyed. And with that absence of fullness of heart, it's very easy for hindrances to take over and uh, be allowed to grow because if you don't truly have this quality of metta love you could say for yourself then you tend to be neglectful of it and disrespectful and stingy towards yourself in some way it doesn't really extend the full abundance of heart or compassion or appreciation uh, this is uh, this is a very this, so this you know it's a rich rich practice. You start comparing comparing mind is an absence of metta because it's measuring again, making measurements. And <coughs> myself is often. Uh, <coughs> the net result of a whole load of measurements. And who did the measuring? Well, where was that about? Why do you need, what's it for? What's the point of measuring? Um, felt senses once you to even contemplate some of these terms and some other meta chants which talk about freedom from worry, anxiety, um, uh, illness, sickness, depression, distress. So check those also. And the felt sense, most important too, so we're not just working from an idea of love or kindness or compassion because these are uh, words that can evoke a tremendous amount of idealism you know, I don't have very much meta well he does so do measure again haven't you? I'm not a meta kind of person so that wasn't meta yeah. that was an idea of meta 
that you just measured, measured yourself, measured an idea of how much you should have and found it wasn't good enough. That's the whole critical program again. So we might notice the heart doesn't feel very rich or abundant or uplifted. So what's the what's necessary for that? Goodwill. Mm. Mm. One of the reasons why so the felt sense is helpful. What would it be like if one was in, one did feel, one's heart did feel rich, abundant, what would that be like? How would that be? What's preventing it right now? Can't be bothered, given up on myself, dog-eared, kind of, over hum getting by, muddling along. Yeah, what's that? Identification with something or the other. This is not a personal profile. It's a general direction to whatever manifests in terms of uh, programs and perceptions of non-aversion, not uh, turning, not shutting down, not not of non-aversion, non-distaste. Why this is a really powerful practice because, as I've used the word field, the field of heart, I think I touched into that earlier, the field of heart. And because this field of heart is touched by perceptions born of sense contact, uh, it's often ruffled by the brutality, the indifference the, that we sense and note and read about and come up against in our lives. So it starts to shut down. You know, it can't be open and tender when you feel you can't. If you just, there's all this corrupt, brutal, rough stuff. Since mind tends to recoil and shut, which is, and so, and then whatever remains is that the pattern of the mind becomes myself, seems to be me. So I'm now a shut person, defensive or cut off. Well, that's the result of particular contact impressions that haven't been released. Mm. Now, it's, it's, uh, 
to encourage this uh, opening of the heart. Uh, it's conducive, and often with meta practice, you deliberately generate images. You generate your world. You create your world, and world you have some say over. And you generate images, and you sustain images that are conducive to the heart opening. Don't take your cues from the political arena. They're not heart, it's not heart opening kind of experience. (laughs) Or you name it, you know, it doesn't open the heart. So instead you generate and you bring to mind images and impressions that give you a sense of trust, you feel comfortable with, you feel non-aversion with, you feel something where your heart does wish to open, people you respect, admire, alive or dead, or qualities in them that you respect, it doesn't even have to be a whole person, but just some quality you pick up. This is the power of mind. You can pick up one particular strand of a person's behavior or an action they did today, even today. So you can sift through the day. And so it's just, yes, that was definitely the quality that I found myself pleased by, uh, touched by, uh, open to that. This is not really too too difficult to find if you if you scan. Certainly, if you're living anywhere in, in access to, to Dhamma communities, people who practice. There's something admirable there. You pick up that, you dwell upon it, you make much of it, you take in the meaning of that, you let yourself be touched by that. Uh, so this is, then you build up a world that allows your heart to open. And you notice what, you, what you're like in that state, your experience, what kind of energies there are there, how it affects your body. How that affects what you think about. It changes perhaps the speed of thinking. Yeah. And you, you drink it in. Take it in. You, you've done some skillful things there. Take that in. And let yourself be enriched by that. Uh, and similarly, you can, what would I when, I, when I come into that, is there anyone or anything that I feel I would, my heart would love to offer something to, or to be present with, to you know, people near or far, alive or dead, doesn't matter, because in this world, the material world, that's, that's the beauty of it. It's not it's trapped in space-time. then this is very lovely because once we come out of the space-time context into our karmic world, our karmic domain then, you know, this is what you you were formed in this domain this is your world and within that there are beautiful things that's your field and your field, your heart field can open, your heart can open into that field and generate and be blessed and enrich that. And qualities there that would just 
once you get some strength with that then qualities that were not agreeable were distressing were uncomfortable were abusive you can okay my mind will not recoil in ill will or my mind will not take on that hardening tightening resisting agitation see so you once you distill the quality it doesn't mean I like this person what it means is when that sanya, that perception rises in my mind I will not allow it to make my mind freeze or lock I'll retain my that quality of my mind is uncompressed not cramped in the presence of that which is distasteful so that's different from I have to like everything just like the quality, the tenor of mine remains bright, buoyant and uh, does not get shaken so this is when you develop metta to almost like a quality of certain samadhi strength it's got that sense of it now stands you've firmed it up it stands and then, it, then indeed you know you can start to you know challenge it a bit see does it give way or does it can it really be sustained So how this, this is in your own world, in your world. Now this pans out in terms of action, doesn't, again, doesn't mean that you have to feel fond of people who've hurt you. What it means is you don't let that quality of pain invade your heart. That's their problem. They are confused and ignorant and abusive. That's, it's theirs, it's not, not mine. This is when you develop it to strength. And here the felt sense is much more important and useful than the word. Word is confusing. Because we all kind of get feeling, I can't really love this person who is so nasty to me. You know, I'm trying to forgive them, I suppose they ought to forgive them. <laughs> and that happens somewhat later, when you've cleared the quality of ill will from your own mind then forgiveness is just a matter of saying well I'm okay Uh, I'm fine I'm not caving in with that that's his problem Uh, maybe well why should I get tied up in knots because of this person you know, this is my my life, my world. I don't want to. Why should I get my world messed up by this person? Actions, and then then you begin to sense, oh, this isn't really a person. Even it's just particular unskillful intentions and actions. So once you check that, you can start to say, okay, well, so he has he manifested unskillful intentions and actions. Uh huh. 
that's not the total story of who he is. This is just unskillful karma. And then kind of a coolness and an ease about that. And truthfulness, because now you're standing on truth. So the felt sense, and there's a certain felt sense or generally have an embodied quality to it. You may sense you're like a certain almost subtle form, a subtle radiance in your body or a subtle form to it, to the quality of goodwill. Obviously most people associate that quality of goodwill and say, well, you know, I had to guess they point to their chest rather than their kneecaps. They wouldn't say, yeah, you really get me right here. My kneecap opened. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, why do we do that? You know? Well, because that's where it's, it's happening. That's where we feel it. But we feel a certain radiance there. You know, tingling there. So, there. You know? And then from there you kind of get the impression you can, might find a felt sense image like a certain sun or warm glow or something in this place in your chest and you just expand it. Then the felt sense it can be very useful because it, it gives you access to the vitality and the strength of embodiment to back up uh, your idea and your intention. hear about breathing somewhere. Once the mind has settled down and the sense of breathing has grown faint, faint, do you have any suggestions? In terms of mindfulness of breathing, one should... uh, the perception of that so it's uh, because the sensations of breathing go very subtle almost imperceptible and then if we're uh, just tracking sensation it becomes rather difficult because the, the sensations grow very subtle as the, as the, breath, as the mind slows down the breath slows down and becomes minimal in terms of sensations so you my advice in general is you may start with sensations to give you a like a trajectory oh it's there that thing and then as you get into that you more attuned to the energetic quality of it that is the the swelling, the distending, the subsiding, and as you as you get into that uh, pattern of sensations, it may become more apparent that you begin to sense the energy that drives the breathing. You know, the energy is driving, or the energy that's in the breathing that's that's, that's pushing the distending or subsiding. And at the end of the out breath, the end of the in breath, you may sense there 
where the sensations recede, there's a certain suffusive quality that is still there. And we get the end of the in-breath, and the sensations stop, energy, breath energy, still is there, a certain suffusive quality that can be detected in the tissues. And you may sense this with breathing, and you may sense this in your eyes, or your forehead, or your skin. And breathing out, you tend to sense this coming down your legs through the pelvic floor, the thighs, a sense of breathing out. Although you can also detect these things in any of the soft tissues, the face, the palms, the hands. Descending tensely down, or easily recognize a lower belly down through the legs, down through the thighs. And so you get sensing the breath energy. And um, as you focus on that in line with the sensations, so the, so it's um, you're still keeping the two together. And you become more uh, attuned to energy, kaya sankara, body energy. You might begin to acknowledge that the breath energy radiates through the body, rather like the quality of metta, it's a suffusive, permeating quality uh, through the tissues of the body. It's called the breathing in, breathing out. One is fully aware of the entire body. It's an expression in the Anapanasati Sutta. Then breathing in, breathing out, calming or steadying or soothing the Kaya Sankara, the body energy. So, uh, normal breathing for most people is rather ragged. Uh, it's jerky and it, it gulps and it gasps and it flutters and it's irregular. Uh, so the breath energy is, is quite ragged and it's associated with ragged thought, ragged mind, where the jumping mind <coughs> thinking and the two go together. Mind is jumping around this and that. So the breath jumps around, same thing. Now as the breath calms, as the mind calms and steadies, then the, the breath energy also steadies and we're deliberately, as if you're soothing it, spreading it, soothing it, taking it easier. And this may be facilitated by a certain how you distance yourself, how whether you're watching the breath or handling the breath or sampling it or feeling it run through you. Um, and there's a shift from uh, uh, to to a certain sense of the mind or one's focal point staying in one place and just soothing the breath as it travels through, the breathing energy as it travels through. This makes, even though it goes quite, its movement uh, becomes subtle, but it's, as its movement gets lesser, it becomes also brighter, brighter and purer. 
So it becomes something that where perceptions start to rise, such as light or warmth or shining. So even though the breath may almost seem to have stopped as, as, a, as a washing movement, as an energy form it, it becomes brighter and is, and is associated with certain inner uplifted uh, mood, piti, sukha, ease, comfort. And so you, you can attune to that and uh, also quiet and steady that until you get something like a clear sensitivity if that's the way it goes of course so it may be the case that as you're quieting down you know uh, mind goes sleepy so you've got to work these things rather like um, you know mixing anything you start to mix out find the lumps and impurities and okay break that down work that out place where things aren't properly integrated so you're doing this and uh, all the t- so this is you know that's that's what you do uh, that's what I would reckon but that's like uh, probably several years of practice and there will be days when it's going to work at all and days where you can barely get the breathing and days when you're obsessed with thought and uh, days where you're stuck with something, some mood um, and times when but you still keep at it and occasionally the thing turns a corner and you come to a blue water and oh, I see so you know, realise it, it generally I, I don't I think very few people are going a straight line on this thing you just zigzag as you go through different territories of experience that need to be addressed and you just keep coming back to your breathing as a kind of as a mainstay, as a central place if breathing works for you at all sometimes people just can't even find it it's not a comfortable object at all so I try to encourage maybe something more perhaps more basic or more um, universal presence here awakeness, awareness, steadiness and go to feel your breathing as long as you stay within that ground and you'll be okay you know? so as long as you stay within that ground of steady awake here not rushing out trying to make something happen stay there and let the breathing come to you as it will and groom it and care for it as it comes with you if it hasn't come here yet it's not ready to come then you're still here and you start working on your attitudes towards yourself issues, topics in your life bodily sensations preparing, <coughs> grooming, cleaning the ground of hindrances that's the main practice to be also to be able to enjoy so uh, don't want to overemphasize too much doing in meditation. One does need to uh, just enjoy the goodness that there is, 
the relief that there is, the hindrances that have passed, the agitation that isn't here, just the it's just, okay, you know, this isn't bad. There's something good here to enjoy. So the, the doingness of the mind is not too emphasized to the point where you're always uh, you're never contented with where you are. This is not good. You don't take in the proper amount of nourishment. Is there such a thing as skillful humour that supports practice? If so, could you share any tips, guidelines, and examples? <laughs> <laughs> What's that one about this t- monk walks into a bar? That's all I knew. It's. Humor is. I don't know. Humor seems quite natural to, uh, I suppose, Uh, Viveka, one steps back and uh, you get things in perspective, then humor, humor, as long as one is warm hearted, as you step back and you, you're not stuck in some self image or another, it's bound to be humorous. <laughs> uh, you can step, step do that stepping back, if you can't step back it's a bit deadly serious if you can step back and this is this and you know, you just see how mad it all is uh, in many ways and, uh, and you remain warm hearted that's the main thing, don't remain warm hearted and then you're bound to find humour, and humour is, is a sign if for a warm-hearted quality, humour is a sign of, of some sense of detachment from self-image. Okay, would it be correct to say that contact underlined through sense or organs or mind leads to perception, which leads to feelings? which might or might not lead to mental formations, quote, I am, depending on whether wisdom intervenes to prevent the last step. Mm-hmm. Contact is the arising of perception and feeling. So, contact is synonymous with the arising of perception and feeling. Perception if you can't have perception and feeling without contact. You can't have contact without perception and feeling. Otherwise it isn't contact. Contact is the experience of that's a perception. That's a feeling first of all, a sense of just what's called uh, resistance impression. Something touches. Something's touched. So the perception may be very rudimentary, and so there's, there's the initial perception, 
just a very rudimentary acknowledgement of a sound or and then secondary perceptions as the mind rushes to that initial signal and starts to formulate what it reminds me of but yeah they're, they're all kind of bound up together um, lead to mental formations that's right that's where mental formations get activated in here and now immediately triggered but also they so, so they, they shoot out but they're also latent so they're latent tendencies towards mental formations potentials you might say as we would call the word for it is anutsaya these are latent tendencies towards ill will or becoming or various uh, hindrances and then something touches and then that, that activation happens so they're not exactly completely originated just at that moment like you hear a sound and or you see someone and the activation for one person might be a sense of nervousness or alarm or intimidation because that's their ten- that's the tendency this other person might be you know, like a different set of sankharas arise so they have different latencies and the aim of uh, or what we're recognising because of these things that happen so quickly perception is the immediate flash that happens so by and large there's not much you can do about that it just flashes through then you you look into uh, in a sense of uh, some say over or, or even acknowledging the sankaras that have arisen and just check, pause, hold that one let's see if we can widen tension get the whole body widen the mind get the whole thing so that lessens the intensity of the sankara your mind narrows, it increases the intensity if your intention narrows on it it increases the intensity if your attention can be asked to just pause and widen and soften then that very much quietens the, the, the rush of the sankara the intention is the leader of them it's the driving force so if we soften and widen and don't um, don't feel we have to do much about that yes. there is that viveka stepping back dispassion it's just like this and so the arrow doesn't shoot so far it comes it just drops and bef- before we've broken into speech or further mental habit it tends to there's the initial surge of fear and you widen and soften, stand your ground and oof, goes down doesn't shoot on so far into complications that's the process and the, as you know, if you continually over time 
and begin to understand your latencies, the way that particular sankaras you get familiar with as operating, uh, then you know you you've got your wisdom eye out for those, and you can almost sense when they're about to fire. And you get there quickly, and you hold, go into your center, your ground. Do that quicker and quicker, till you starve the latency of fresh food, and it begins to dry up. So that the mind doesn't rush down that, because we haven't used that. That that tendency has not been. That channel has not been rushed down. It's rather like like a, you know, imagine a streamlet. And the water in that runs down that, that gully. But the less and less you use that, the gully gradually dries up, and then you can begin to even create another direction. Like, here's the time for going into my feet. Here's the time for going into my hands. If you're the signal, go there and breathe out. And you've headed it off. And those are, you know, uh, means. So you've headed it on, off time and time again. It's almost forgotten how to do that thing. That thing that you used to do so habitually. I would say that um, most of my life I've been a very shy person. Now you may not think that, since I'm so used to being in public. But that one, it's the fear that has been stopped. Fear, the embarrassment. Um, it didn't stop on day one, it's just gone down and down and down it's not there the fear, the awkwardness the embarrassment, the feeling ungainly, awkward out of place, misfit ridiculous, it's gone but it wasn't because I had affirmed anything, I just kind of gradually more and more got that sankara understood it, the pain it's causing me difficulty, I don't, you know, just very, very embarrassed. It's been very embarrassed and awkward about my, you know, appearance, my body, and all that. And not there. There's a few other things, but I wouldn't go into all that. 
I think I've got a few tendencies left, but never mind. <laughs> it's, it's great just to notice, because you forget over, over time things wear down, you don't, it doesn't happen overnight, and you suddenly realize, oh, oh yeah, I used to be that, it's not there now. You know, or less and less, and then it's not there. You've alluded to the creative activity of the mind as perhaps its best use, or so I thought. Would you please elaborate on that and comment on the appropriateness or not of doing that while taking a shower or walking <laughs> Creative activity of the mind. Well, I don't... I'm not sure if you've... Well, what, what I get out of that anyway, so, which may not be what you mean, but uh, uh, so it was like a certain imaginative faculty, ability to image things, form imaginative. Maybe that's what you mean, that's something I can relate to anyway. We tend to uh, use the mind. Uh, uh, rationally, or imagine the mind as a rational experience. We emphasize the rational faculty. And rationality is really only, really not very strong feature of mind. I mean, you know, rationality is the way we justify our, our, our irrational impulses. <laughs> Legitimize these things by giving them reasons. But <laughs> uh, rationality is, is okay for like you know measuring things out there objectively, but when it comes down to living experience, living experience is not rational at all. Uh, though we can rationalize it, um, and imaginative is more like getting so the more the feeling experience of it, and uh, and using imagery. So, particularly as I've suggested with the mental <coughs> cultivation, using images that support real, you know, really definitely felt experiences. Uh, because we do image a lot, also mind is imaging, but not consciously acknowledged, you know, when you, and certainly advertisements present and, and work on, on creating images that, that do motivate us. And you know, skilled orators conjure up images that motivate us to to for good and for bad, and play upon us. Now, so using it more consciously, we have this image forming tendency. So, there's meta bhavana as a way to to make use of that, and even when we're cultivating samadhi, then this imaging tendency. It's not fantasizing. It's not. It's, it's not discursive imagery, but imagery. That what does this feel like? What would it look like? And I've also talked about physical pain. What would that pain look like if I had to draw a picture of it? Yeah, probably spiky or fangs or grinding hard rocks or something. So using imagery gives you a different way of using your mind. 
and then you can relate to it with imagery like something that is sharp and nasty you start to pour soft qualities over it or you give it some space or you stroke it or something like that and it, so it can be used, imagery can be used to uh, as a way of applying or, or moving the energy of the heart which moves imagery is perceptual the heart moves in terms of perception and certainly in cultivating mindfulness uh, breathing or samadhi you uh, get the image the sensing, the felt sense of soft or refined or poised or delicate or beautiful or nourishing and you listen in for imagery. Imagery could be visual, that's the most obvious sign, but imagery can even be tactile, like there's a sense of softness here. Or it could be auditory, there's a silent, tingly quality. So I tend to go to tactile, there's a softness, there's a smoothness, there's a a roughness or an edginess or a tightness or a looseness or a fluidity, uh, which I you know associate with skillful or unskillful or supportive or non-supportive qualities. Um, yeah. Then that's useful. So that's my response to that question. Perhaps it hasn't completely uh, completed it, but it's completed me for the time being. Andha Mayandama Gajaya Sadhu Karanda Dharma Sadhu Sadhu Sadhu